Time now for Insight. A war of words is raging in the Marlborough Sounds after four new salmon farms were approved there. New Zealand King Salmon asked for nine. Their opposition wanted none. This Radio New Zealand Insight asks if anyone is happy with the final decision. We've obtained four out of nine farms. I'd have to say we're disappointed with that. Oh, it, it really disturbed me. I've been a campaigner for 20 years. I've never seen a debacle like that. I'm Alison Hossein, and this insight delves deeper into the salmon farm debate to discover if a balance is possible between those who say the farms will create a stronger regional economy and the swell of campaigners fighting against the tide of aquaculture development. I'm standing on one of the salmon farms in the Marlborough Sounds. It's a glorious sunny day and the sounds are certainly looking at their absolute best. I'm joined on the farm by New Zealand King Salmon's General Manager of Aquaculture, Mark Priest. We're standing on Clay Point Farm in the Tory Channel and are just about to feed the salmon. So Mark, how important is it for the future expansion of King Salmon to be encouraged? First and foremost, salmon farming brings export earnings to New Zealand. We're worth about $55 million a year as an industry. Next, New Zealand's pretty unique in the rest of, uh, compared to the rest of the world. We farm king salmon, so king salmon's different from the Atlantic salmon, which is farmed overseas. In terms of production or global production, New Zealand produces 80% uh, of the world's king salmon, so we've got a unique, high-value, um, high-quality food product uh, that's sold into premium restaurants around the world. Currently, New Zealand King Salmon, the owners of the Regal Salmon brand, has five farms in the Marlborough Sounds, and it applied for consent to create nine more. The application was directed in 2011 to a board of inquiry as a proposal of national significance by then Conservation Minister Kate Wilkinson. This route for approval is designed to streamline the process for major projects to reach a quicker outcome for all parties concerned. While the Marlborough District Council acknowledges it was appropriate to put the application before the Environmental Protection Authority inquiry, it felt the decision-making process was taken out of its hands. The Mayor, Alistair Soman, says it felt its role as a planning authority and its efforts in creating a 10-year plan for the Marlborough Sounds were thrown into disarray. If you looked at our original um, opposition, it was about the fact that we had a plan. It wasn't about particularly environmental conditions. We didn't have a lot of information on that. The mere fact that we consulted with the, uh, the people in that area over a 10-year period, we developed a plan, and we believed that we owed it to those people to defend that plan. The government is currently reforming the existing Resource Management Act, a move which could affect how applications such as this are handled in the future. The application process has cost New Zealand King Salmon $10 million, nearly five times more than it originally expected, heavily denting the firm's previously solid balance sheet. The company puts that partly down to what it says is the complex and unwieldy process that it went through to make its application. New Zealand King Salmon's chief executive, Grant Rosewarn, suggests New Zealand looks to see how other countries handle such applications. Norway is a first world country with incredibly high environmental standards and they've identified salmon farming as one of the industries that will sustain their first world economy and all of their people uh, going forward. So eventually their oil and gas will run out but they've identified salmon farming as a sustainable industry to carry them forward. 
and they've just got a great method of encouraging that industry. If I can just contrast it with New Zealand, they produce a million tonnes of salmon. Uh, we produce about 14,000 tonnes of salmon. We're, you know, just over 1% of their production and they have had a system that's enabled them to flourish and enabled that industry to flourish. It has largely saved their rural population from collapse. And you know where we've got a situation where we're we're fighting over um, you know small incremental increases on the world stage, which which are considered to be large increases here. When in the world scheme of things, they're just not. Mr. Soman says the council accepts the board of inquiry's decision, but in order to protect the future position of the council and its resource consent process, it will actively participate in any appeal process. I think if all parties could, could turn back the clock, they probably wouldn't go through this process. Obviously, King Salmon thought that was the way to go. It was quicker, but, gee, it's been expensive, it's been cumbersome. They've only got part of what they asked for. Um, we didn't have any initial um, input into it in, in regard as to the, the spaces that they wanted to occupy. So from, from our perspective, it's, it's been expensive, it's been cumbersome and uh, not, not exactly... <laughs> Um, the, the result that any party, I think, wanted. Out of more than 1,200 submissions from the public regarding the application, more than two-thirds opposed the expansion plans. The board analysed more than 10,000 pages of evidence and heard from 180 witnesses and experts. The Environmental Protection Authority says the level of public engagement during the board of inquiry process was unprecedented. Specific submissions included the potential damage to the water column and seabed, adverse effects on marine mammals and birds, and the potential for the farms to be a navigational safety hazard. There were also fears that a precedent could be set, allowing more aquaculture to be established and worries over possible adverse effects to recreation and tourism. Many felt there would be detrimental effects to water quality from contaminants including fish food and excreta. One campaigner, Danny Bolton, says they had no choice but to take action. This isn't anti-King Salmon as a company or anything like this, but this is anti-pollution of an iconic Marlborough Sounds. So that's really where we come from. It's the pollution. I mean, if we go back in time, we once threw slops out of the window into the street. And we don't do that anymore because it was detrimental to the well-being of the people in the day. Today, more than ever, our marine environment, unfortunately, has been out of sight, out of mind. But our marine environment gives us every second breath, and it is under huge threat. Half our rivers and lakes are polluted, and that's nitrogen coming into the system. Everything ends up in the sea. On top of that, we are looking at further pollution from these farms. The Environmental Protection Authority's independent Board of Inquiry has ruled that in creating four new farms, the economic benefits outweigh the environmental and landscape issues which they deemed to be minimal at the four approved sites. These are Papatua, Ngamaho, Waitata and Richmond. The inquiry decided on each potential farm site individually and decided whether to approve it based on the evidence presented. At the sites that were turned down, Kaitapeha, Ruaomoko, Kaitira, Tapipi and Whitehorse Rock farms, it was deemed salmon farms would have more significant effects on either the landscape of the sands or have the potential to damage the marine environment to an unacceptable degree. 
A group of local residents and business owners in the Marlborough Sounds felt so strongly about the potential expansion of salmon farming, they set up a campaign group specifically to oppose it, and they have now appealed the decision. Sustain Our Sounds believes the farms have a detrimental effect on a number of wildlife species who frequent the Marlborough Sounds, king shags, penguins, seals, orcas and Hector's dolphins. The chairman of Sustain Our Sounds, Danny Bolton, says they have evidence to support their concerns. There were two dolphin deaths in salmon nets last year. One of those was a dusky dolphin. One of those was a bottlenose dolphin. They get caught in the net by their teeth and drown. I've got a marine mammal permit and this is wearing our business hat but I've got a marine mammal permit uh, and with that permit I have to stay away 20 metres from seals on rocks and we have to look after them. Yet King Salmon have a permit written that allows them to harm seals. The Salmon Company says that once a farm is removed from a site, the area soon returns back to its original pre-farm state with no lasting effects on the marine environment. But Danny Bolton doesn't believe that. No, I'm sorry, I couldn't agree with that from our own personal observation and in putting down drop cameras and diving under these farms and from assessments from that footage. It's been many years and some of those farm sites are still in a state of, uh, what well, you know, they're still highly polluted. New Zealand King Salmon has acknowledged some of the campaigners' concerns, particularly in relation to the way the farms affect the look or landscape of the Marlborough Sounds. The company's general manager of aquaculture, Mark Priest, says they are already taking steps to address this. There is a visual impact with the farms um, in a bay, however we're trying to mitigate those. We're, we're standing on some pens at the moment that we've actually painted green and you see here these, these nets here that are above the water, um, they're now made of black mesh and if we go over um, to the other side of the channel over there um, and look back at this farm you'll actually see a big difference between our old, old style colour scheme I guess and our new style colour scheme and that's part of us really wanting to work in with the locals as soon as we hear these issues we can address them you know, we're, sometimes we, we don't see some of those issues um, but as soon as we hear them you know, we want to really actively get involved with the community and uh, allay their concerns and, and improve our farms as well but the environmental concerns continue to alarm campaigners the most. Sustain Our Sounds estimates that the new salmon farms would release the equivalent quantity of nitrogen into the Marlborough Sounds ecosystem as the sewage of nearly half a million people. But New Zealand King Salmon disputes this, saying human faeces simply cannot be compared with salmon excreta. King Salmon's chief executive Grant Rosewarn argues the comparison is not valid. Fish have been doing their poo in the sea for millions and millions of years and they just then they don't carry the pathogens that human wastes do, they don't carry the toxins that human wastes carry. People drink water out of reservoirs loaded with fish. If you go to a freshwater salmon farm, the water is of drinking quality downstream from a salmon farm. You cannot equate fish feces to human feces or cow feces and anyone who does that is just not being genuine. But Sustain Our Sound's scientific expert, Rob Shukard, says that's nonsense. This comparison 
of uh, human poo with salmon poo is from an ecological point completely fair. Sustain ourselves, we have consistently stated from the beginning there is a difference and that is that salmon do not produce human pathogens. And that is what we consistently say. If king salmon has a problem with that, they probably only can refer to that human pathogen component of the discussion, which we never touched. On the strict ecosystem basis, you talk about nitrogen or nutrients, and that's with what we are talking about. And king salmon is a huge nitrogen contributor to the marine environment. He says eutrophication, in other words, the process of nutrient pollution which upsets the natural balance of marine ecosystems, is a serious worry. Eutrophication is a real big disaster. It is lurking. It is coming by stealth. You will not see it today. You will not see it tomorrow. But suddenly you will realize it is there. And then to go back to the state where you still enjoy the environment and where it was producing us with something as a contributor to the national GDP, to go back from there is not the same way as going up to that stage. The, the way back is absolutely disastrously longer than going up to that state. However, New Zealand King Salmon says it has taken huge steps in making itself more sustainable and environmentally friendly. Like many fish farming firms, it uses anchovies from Peru to supply the fish meal in the pellets it uses to feed the salmon, a practice which has caused concern amongst environmentalists over the possible damage to wild fisheries. Just 10 years ago, it was using up to 45% fish meal. Now it is using 9%. But for some campaigners, the industry still isn't doing enough. Local residents and tourism operators in the Marlborough Sounds felt so strongly about the expansion they were prepared to risk their financial well-being. One campaigner, Peter Beach, who runs the campaign group Guardians of the Sounds, says the whole process pushed him to breaking point. I found that it put so much pressure on, on a, a small number of people that the only way that we could, we could manage it was to work on it full time. So we had to forsake our businesses. Easter through to October, we had to work on this full time. Um, we had no income for that whole time and we used all of our money, all of our savings. It got to a point where we were running on credit, but we, we tried to make it through to the uh, the end of the court case. With two weeks to go, the bank got in touch with us and said, we've just cancelled all your insurances and, and if you don't pay the arrears in your mortgage by the end of the month, we're going to auction your house on you, foreclose on your mortgage. It caused a, a huge amount of stress for us. The aquaculture industry is widely seen by the government as playing an important role in the future of New Zealand's prosperity. The industry has set a firm goal of $1 billion of annual sales by 2025. The government has paved the way for the expansion of marine farming with legislation that enables this growth. As from October 2011, the current Resource Management Act was amended to streamline aquaculture planning and consenting, and the Fisheries Act was also changed to better balance the interests of commercial quota holders with those of aquaculture. 
While on a tour of parts of South America, the Minister for Primary Industries, Nathan Guy, says applications like New Zealand King Salmon's need to be encouraged. Salmon farming is hugely important within aquaculture. And right now I'm standing here on a, on a farm in Chile and it's one of the economic drivers along with dairy farming in Chile. And salmon farming in New Zealand uh, is hugely important and it's going to be a, a key driver for our growth target of hitting a billion dollars in, in the aquaculture space. New Zealand's aquaculture is already well known worldwide for its green shell mussels, also farmed in the top of the South Island. The Marlborough Sounds has a surface area of 150,000 hectares, of which 2,800 is used for mussels. New Zealand King Salmon currently occupies seven hectares, and with the addition of four new farms, this will increase to a total of 13 hectares. Aquaculture New Zealand says the new salmon farms will provide significant benefits for associated industries while generating export earnings through the sustainable production of quality seafood. Cudden Engineering is a Blenheim-based firm which manufactures a range of equipment to support the farm operations in the sounds, including floating pipes, feed barges and a range of ancillary equipment. Its chief executive Andy Rowe says the creation of four new farms will mean a real surge in business for him. It means a great deal to us. We manufacture the farm, the pontoons, the walkways that the, form the pens that are floating out in the sounds. They're big structures um, that create a lot of work for us here and for other local um, industry that, that blast and paint them. So it is, it is pretty important. The, once they're built, they're maintained for um, up to 20 years. Um, so that's ongoing work, repair, maintenance and, and restoration, if you like, or refurbishment of, of cages. So it, it, is, it is pretty vital work for us um, in our workshops here. He says the companies that supply goods and services to New Zealand King Salmon will really benefit from the firm's expansion. The barges that carry the feed on a weekly basis or monthly basis or whatever the frequency of cycle is, it's the repairs to the to the vessels and the boats they use, it's the staff at King Salmon that accommodated out on those those vessels. So it's you know, it's intrinsic in Marlborough's economy that there's there's money being spent here and the more they have here the more money that, that does get spent here. The Marlborough Chamber of Commerce is also supportive of expanding the fish farms. It has worried for a long time that the region's economy has relied heavily on just one industry, wine production. Viticulture has been struggling for the last few years as wine producers adjusted to problems with oversupply. But the Chamber has another more pressing reason as to why it is in support of New Zealand King Salmon's expansion. At present, the salmon is transported to Nelson for processing, but once much larger volumes are being handled by the company, the Chamber believes the economics will tip the balance in favour of creating a processing plant in either Picton or Blenheim. The Chamber of Commerce's General Manager Brian Dawson says the opportunities for Marlborough could be extensive. I guess the real gold at the, at the end of the rainbow is the processing um, and we would love to think at some stage that they reached the critical point where uh, it was more economic to process in Marlborough. And we'd also like to think that eventually a feed mill was placed locally and um, between the processing plant and the feed mill, you know, that's tens of millions of dollars of capital formation that would come to Marlborough. And we'd also like to think that the fish was eventually transported out of Marlborough, which provides a lot of opportunity around our airport. So really from the fish and the pens to opportunities for substantial uh, capital formation for lots more jobs 
and for the likes of airport expansion. And there are lots and lots of opportunities from this decision that we're very, very excited about. New Zealand King Salmon already injects $25 million into the top of the South community each year through wages. This expansion will double the company's production and is estimated to bring in more than $60 million into the region and up to 200 new jobs. But the opposition takes issue with the supposed economic benefits of the expansion. The Green Party's fisheries spokesperson, Stefan Browning, believes the benefits have been exaggerated. We certainly promote smart green uh, economics and smart green activities. This is not smart, it is not green. This is an overseas company being helped by our government, 51% owned by the Malaysian Tiong family. They've got a shocking record internationally and they've got a shocking record here as well. Uh, that they are able to come in and theoretically provide all those jobs. For a start, the jobs are unlikely to be in Marlborough. There will be some, of course, people operating on the farms. The processing in that is likely to be in Nelson. You know, if, if there's going to be local regional development, uh, you know, how broad is that? I don't believe there'll be 200 jobs uh, directly out of it, like they've suggested. They've overstated everything so far. This is a dirty industry that's got a lot of smart PR around it. We need to do better with our choice of development. Opposition groups have also raised the issue of New Zealand King Salmon being 51% owned by Malaysian firm Rimbunan Hijau Group, as they say a foreign-owned company is taking the bulk of the gain, yet the environmental and other costs are borne by New Zealand. But the firm's chief executive, Grant Rosewarn, says the foreign ownership issue is irrelevant as the company's financial success is reinvested into the top of the South Island. That's called foreign investment. New Zealand's trying to attract foreign investment. I find it ironic that when it comes in that we then are critical of it. Uh, of those 470 people that I mentioned, 90% uh, of them are in the top of the South Island of New Zealand. We pay out about $4.5 million worth of wages and salaries for every surface hectare that we occupy. That's not going off to some foreign owner. That's value created here. The export revenue that's earned, it doesn't go off to a foreign owner. That comes into New Zealand. The salmon farms themselves are becoming a bit of a tourist attraction, with daily cruises now being offered to one of the farms in Queen Charlotte Sound. Marlborough Travel operates the trip and offers passengers the chance to walk around the farm learning how it works before being served a whole-cooked king salmon prepared in front of them on the boat's deck as they cruise the sounds. I met the company's managing director, Chris Godsiff, near their offices in a cafe in Blenheim. He says it's proved a real hit with their passengers. If you can take tourists, and most of our tourists are international visitors, if you can take them out there and show them how... New Zealanders and Kiwis um, uh, and what they do to make a living and, and, how, and what their jobs are and things like that. It's something that uh, we've had a, a huge response from, from the people that have been and they're genuinely interested in how people make a living and, and, and what's the sounds used for and we take them onto the farm, they actually feed the fish and they get an in-depth uh, discussion with us about the salmon farming and where it's come from, where it's going and all the, all the good things about it. I mean, we, we talk about some of, the, some of the negative things like the visual pollution and stuff like that, but they enjoy like, the same as the mussel industry. Like We've been doing greenshell mussel cruises for 20 years now, and people actually enjoy learning about... It's not something that's just made up for tourism. It's a real thing that's happening. An increasing number of chefs, and indeed consumers, are now placing more value on the importance of provenance, 
in other words, knowing where their food comes from. Local chef Kevin Hopgood, who owns award-winning Nelson restaurant Hopgood's, believes it's essential to use locally produced ingredients. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use an import. I'd only use New Zealand king salmon as it's, you know, it's, it's only you know, just down the road from us. And do you think your customers care about whether you're using local produce or not? I think they really care. I mean, it's really, really important. We're quite a tourist town here, and people want to come to Nelson and have a Nelson experience. And I can say I know the guys at King Salmon or, or the, the, the vintners at Nerdoff, for instance, and, and, and tell a story about the products, as opposed to just coming from you know, all parts of the world and not having the provenance that we, we'd like to have. But what about the actual decision by the Environmental Protection Authority's Board of Inquiry? With New Zealand King Salmon applying for nine, their opposition wanting zero, and the final outcome being the approval of four, the decision is being seen by some as a bit of a compromise. The Green Party's Stephen Browning believes the Board of Inquiry made an ill-informed decision. Hey, it's a bit like a car salesman with a car price. I think uh, King Salmon knew full well they would not get nine, and some of them they could have uh, ticked off as very unlikely before they even started. In saying that, I am still surprised at a couple of them that they'd given. I just, um, I think that the Board of Inquiry did not have the expertise. I think there was a bunch of intelligent people that were trying to make stock of the information that was put to them. But at a certain point, they didn't take more information. They didn't go looking and saying, what are the gaps in the information? Uh, they didn't go looking properly at noise. They didn't go looking at anti-fouling. They didn't go looking uh, more thoroughly at the uh, information about the effects on the water column. They got what they could get or what was put to them, but they should have stopped the process and said, well, clearly this is inadequate. If we really think the process should be going forward uh, at all, think there's some merit in it, they should have uh, made a point of having more, some more research done. The Environmental Defence Society has lodged an appeal against the decision, one that can only be made on points of law. Its chairman, Gary Taylor, says in respect to one of the salmon farm sites, they had to take action. Well, the Board of Inquiry, with respect to Papatua, decided that, in fact, it was an outstanding natural landscape. And the New Zealand Coastal Policy Statement, which is at the top of the planning hierarchy in New Zealand and has to be given effect to, basically says that um, if you've got an outstanding coastal landscape, then you need to avoid all adverse effects and the establishment of a salmon farm there would be an adverse effect. But then they said, we'll allow it anyway, and, and we think that there they misapplied the law. But Grant Rosewarn is mystified and frustrated by the decision to appeal. You've already had 25 years to observe what we do and the way that we operate, and I don't get people on the inter-islander ferry ringing up saying, ooh, I saw a salmon farm and I didn't like it. I normally get people at the end saying, I didn't see a salmon farm, was there one there? We've been a good corporate citizen and we're going to now expand on the same scale that we've got and we're going to go more to the Polora Sound and to Port Gore. So there's not going to be a dramatic increase where we already are, but we'll scale up to double our size, spread out around the sounds. We're a known tested quantity, so I really don't understand why someone would appeal that. No work can begin on the new salmon farms until the outcome of the appeal process is determined. I'm Alison Hossein and that's Insight for this week. If you would like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or tweet us at rnz underscore insight.